Hi there, this is Danny Klein Modisette welcoming you to the Afterbirth Podcast where we feature real stories about raising kids that you're not going to read in the parenting magazine. I hope you'll all come out to the next live Afterbirth show on Saturday, December 3rd at the M Bar in Hollywood. Call the club at 323-856-0036 for reservations. One of the performers that night will be writer Kim Carp Lappin, who's coming in with a brand new story. But here from the archives is her first one, entitled Bad Mommy. It was recorded at the M Bar in 2010. Please give a warm welcome to Kim Carp Lappin. I had one of those moments today. You know when you're arguing with your kid over something really stupid? Something you know you're not going to budge on, but your kid's resisting anyway. My son wanted to wear a superhero t-shirt, but we were going with the grandparents to the club, where only collared shirts are allowed. I patiently tried to explain, it's not my rule, honey, it's the club's rule. Why can't we go somewhere else, he asked. Because we can't. You're a bad mommy. Look, you can wear the superhero shirt tomorrow. Won't that be great? Then I tried to put the collared shirt over his head, but he stubbornly glued his arms to the side of his body and screamed at the top of his lungs that he would only wear a superhero shirt. So I totally lost it and screamed at him in such a mean voice, I scared myself. He immediately got quiet. His lower lip started to quiver. Then he burst into gut-wrenching tears and slowly started to put this shirt on. I watched my distraught, weeping child and thought to myself, Yes, I got through to the little bastard. (laughs) I've read all the parenting books. I've taken Mommy and Me. I've come to learn that rye is not just the bread that's served with the pastrami at Nate and Al's. I'm aware that we're supposed to respect our infants' feelings and not interrupt them when they're busy babbling. I know it's a sin to say, good job, when my seven-year-old daughter shows me her drawing, and then I'm really supposed to say something like, this is interesting, what is it? Or, tell me why you decided to use these colors. But see, the problem with that for me is that invites more conversation. (laughs) What I'm after is less conversation. And a quick dismissive good job satisfies her and sends her off to start a new drawing, allowing me to go back to my word twist game. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I want to build up my children's self-esteem in the areas that are really important as much as the next person. And that's why I always assure my daughter, sweetie, you look really skinny today. (laughs) And, And I tell my son, you have an exceptionally spectacular penis. Beyond that, I don't want to work so hard. (laughs) After all, my parents didn't work hard at parenting. They didn't worry about my self-esteem or whether I would grow up to be happy or well-adjusted. And look at me, I turned out fine. (laughs) But today we live in a world of competitive parenting. Back in our parents' day, the most that meant was a harmless, my kid is smarter than yours type of competition. But now, competitive parenting has been ratcheted up into an individual one-upsmanship sport that's all about not only being the best, most engaged parent there is, but also making everyone else feel like totally crappy parents. (laughs) And you know what competitive parenting's favorite playing field is? Facebook. 
You know the moms and dads who are playing, and playing hard. The ones who constantly update their statuses with things like, baking homemade pretzels with the girls, yummy. <laughs> and with the kids at the park having a super fun time. And just sitting here getting my mommy snuggles with my two favorite boys. And then there are the ones who take it a step further and throw their marriage into the game. <laughs> Hubby's cleaning out the basement while I sleep in. Don't I have the best husband ever? All of this designed to make me, their Facebook friend and competitive parenting opponent, feel like an asshole. Because my kids are watching Playhouse Disney and have been for the past four hours. <laughs> At least I think they are, because I've avoided walking past the TV room. <laughs> Lest they see me, remember I exist, and start asking me for stuff. And it occurs to me that I don't think my husband, who's still upstairs sleeping, even knows we have a basement. <laughs> my stomach tightens. I know this feeling well. Strangely, it always happens to appear as soon as I log onto Facebook. I can't help myself, and I type, fun day plan today, kids space museum, and then the Grove for dinner. I had no intention of doing anything besides staying home and hiding from the kids. Now, though, it appears I'll have to spend some time with them, coaching them to perjure themselves in the share chair on Monday by saying they went to Kids Space and Grove over the weekend. <laughs> who are all these moms, the, one, the ones who are having so much fun at Build-A-Bear and Gymboree? And how much Lexapro are they on? No, seriously, I really do want to know because I need to tell my doctor how much to prescribe. Because in case you haven't guessed, I am not one of those parents who are gliding through parenthood cheerfully. I mean, I'm glad I had kids, sure, but we have totally different interests. <laughs> we like to talk about different things, and we have different friends. They like Hannah Montana and Scooby-Doo. I like VH1's Sex Rehab. They're given to unpredictable emotional outbursts and occasional fits of rage. They totally take me for granted and I feel like they don't ever listen to me. Now, if I were describing a hot alcoholic boyfriend, everyone would advise me that it's time to move on. But somehow, because it's my kids, I'm supposed to find all of this irresistibly fascinating and want to spend all my waking, and let's face it, non-waking, hours catering to and playing with them I'm complaining, I know. Something I do have in common with my kids. <laughs> Look, I wish it were different. I do. I wish I could be one of those blissed out helicopter mommy twats who feel, <laughs> who feel compelled to come up to me in the park and cheerfully dole out friendly, helpful advice. You should put your baby on a schedule. Thanks, and while I'm at it, I'm gonna try and lose all my baby weight in a week and run for president because I enjoy courting failure. And then there was, in my house, we don't use TV as a babysitter. Really, because in my house, we call the TV nanny. <laughs> Another favorite. I think it's important to let kids get a little dirty. Yes, but then you have to bathe them, and who has time for that? <laughs> Here's one I love. Don't let the baby sleep in bed with you, or you will never have sex again. Uh-huh, and that's a bad thing? <laughs> 
And speaking of sex, that's another subject other parents love to dole out advice on once you're married with kids. Have you noticed? We always make sure to have a date night once a week, they tell you. We make sex a priority in our marriage. We don't watch TV in bed. Our bed is for sleeping and sex. <laughs> and then, as if I'm not feeling shitty enough about my bedroom flat screen and failure of a sex life, I have that friend who announces she's pregnant with her third kid. All accidents. Now, I get the whole concept of the accidental pregnancy while you're single. You're hot, you want it, you're not thinking about stopping and putting your diaphragm in. Got it. But once you already have kids, how much bodice-ripping sex are you really having that you don't... <laughs> that, you, that you're not thinking about morning sickness and gaining 50 pounds and fat ankles? No, I don't buy it. Saying you're, you got pregnant accidentally is the ultimate form of competitive parenting bragging. Or, as I like to call it, competitive fucking. <laughs> Recently, as I was surfing the net ignoring my children, I came across a parenting philosophy I hadn't heard about in Mommy and Me or from Betsy Brown Braun or Susan Stiffelman or from any of those bitches at the park. It's called the good enough mother. The theory behind it is that being a perfect parent would actually be bad for your child because your child has to live in the real world and the real world is not perfect. So by being an imperfect parent, you're actually doing your child a favor and preparing them to succeed in the cold, harsh world that awaits them. How great is that? <laughs> Turns out, the good enough mother isn't always available to her child when he wants her. Um, check. Has, has needs of her own, which may conflict with those of her child. Check, check. Is human and makes mistakes. Loses it sometimes. Sometimes, all the time, basically the same thing. Finally, validation. So you know what I decided? I'm not going to feel guilty about not being the perfect mom. I'm not going to feel guilty for not running my home like a mini corporation. I'm not going to feel guilty about letting my kids watch TV or about not bathing them regularly or about letting my four-year-old chase my daughter around with his naked erect penis, which absolutely horrifies my husband. Because when he does that, we all have a good laugh together. And I think the laughter is what they're ultimately going to remember when they're in their therapist's office 30 years from now. So the next time my son tells me I'm a bad mommy, I'm going to say, you better believe it. And that's what makes me a good mommy. Okay, for more information about Afterbirth, the book, the show, or to comment on the podcast, please go to www.afterbirthstories.com. Our next live show will be at the M Bar in Hollywood on Saturday, December 3rd. The number to call is 323-856-0036 for reservations. Then, on December 10th, we're going to have an entire evening devoted to the comedy of writer-producer Stephen Cragg. So we'll be podcasting more of his work throughout November. I hope to see you at the shows. Bye-bye.